0: You're Division two, champions, Grand Valley State. Congratulations to the Lakers. For the sixth
1: time in program history, they are the national champions. Grand Valley has its third national championship in four years. Grand Valley State,
0: celebrating a national championship in Division II. It's the for a podcast, presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network.
2: Hi again everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Anchor Up podcast. It is finally December. We've reached it. Today is December 3rd. The Anchor Up podcast is brought to you by Metro Health, the official sports medicine provider of GBSU Athletics. Your health, our passion. Jake Levy, Tim not here with you once again. And Tim, this is about as 2020 as it gets. I'm calling you from my parents' basement right now. What's going on, man?
1: Hey, this is uh, seeing you on the on the screen right now in the parents' basement. We're taping a uh, a podcast this is about as 2020 as it gets.
2: Yeah, the beginning of, when was January of 2020, I bet you never thought we'd find ourselves here on December 3rd. No. But here we are. No. Uh, but the, the good news is next month we have GBSU sports, so we're really excited to get into all of that. Head coach of the women's soccer team, Jeff Hostler, is our guest today. He was awesome. The defending national champs, they didn't have a fall season, but. They will have some competition in the spring and they were heavily involved in some fall training. So he talks about that as well as what to look forward to when they do get to play external competition again. We're also going to talk a little bit about what's coming up in the next month as all those winter sports get ready to get rolling. We are raring to go. We're excited as well coming off the Thanksgiving week. But before we get all to all that, Tim, how was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was great, Jake. Uh, did a lot of cooking. I'm the cook of the family and uh, did a you know, full gamut. Full gamut of uh, turkey, ham, um, cheesy potatoes, green bean casserole—you name it. All the clichés of Thanksgiving. were are in the we're at the Knott household.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. I I drove across the country. You know, to, I obviously can't fly because of the uh, the rules and everything in place, and had to pack my own lunch. And only times I stopped were to fill up gas or let my dog go to the bathroom. But uh, yeah, the how did how that, ride, go? It, that go?
1: How did that go with what? the dog going across the country for a nine-week road, road trip?
2: It, it, for a nine week old puppy, it couldn't have gone any better. If I get the exact same thing on the way home this weekend, I'll be pumped. She didn't go to the bathroom in the car once. She basically slept the whole way when she did wake up and let me know she had to go to the bathroom. She was uh, very emphatic about it, but I would rather have that than have her tell me in other ways. So it was uh, It was definitely great. And my parents fell in love with the dog as soon as I walked in the door, which was awesome as well. So it's been nice to have a couple of weeks of having some extra hands on deck to take care of the pup but she's been great and it's been a lot of fun and you know obviously with all that's gone on in 2020 haven't really gotten a chance to see my parents see my grandparents uh, my aunts and uncles and stuff so socially distant wearing a mask but still getting to see some of that extended family with a couple of weeks home was uh, definitely a silver lining something you and I know with the work schedule we usually have especially around the holidays you you don't you don't really get all that much time to do it so it is one of the positives to be able to get out and do that and you know try to be as safe as we can and you know we had a very small thanksgiving my mom you know you're the cook of the family my mom is the host of the family for thanksgiving usually we have 25 30 people at the house this year it was just our immediate family and my grandpa so definitely a different look to it but uh, it was actually kind of nice you know quiet got to really have some in-depth conversations with my parents with my brother So it was, uh, you know, it's definitely not the same. And we do miss, you know, getting that extended family and getting those big parties together. But there's also some really nice aspects of having those small ones too.
1: And the Eagles played on Monday night. How'd that go?
2: We don't have to talk about that. Let's talk about GVSU athletics. I'm excited because they're coming up in just a month. And Tim, you know, we we got some schedules out now. We know we've seen when the basketball teams are playing. We're starting to see when soccer, when volleyball, swimming and diving, track and field. All these sports are starting to put out their schedules. And as we put all this together, we're, we knew it was going to be busy. But now, as we look at all those dates put together, boy, oh boy, January and February are going to be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, it's going to be a it's going to be a circus. You know, just in terms of. Being in two places, that, you know, to be in two places at one time, a lot of overlapping schedules. Uh, we're getting because the lack of fans, it'll be an admitted game, probably at zero. So, uh, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of video, um, and we're getting that organized, and uh, Laker fans will be able to uh, pull that up. But uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to get back into that 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 rat race of going from event to event, you know, and uh, it's something we've missed since uh, March thirteenth.
2: Yeah, definitely miss that grind of knowing what events were coming up that day and doing all that problem-solving to figure out how we're going to get everything covered. And it's going to be even crazier this year, but certainly rather have that than anything else. And you, by the way, Tim mentioned being able to watch it online. Uh, www.watchgvsn.com is going to be your way that you can watch it on the web. There's also the WatchGVSN app available on Roku and Firestick and Apple TV as well. So make sure you get yourself ahead of the game. If you're planning on watching some winter sports for Grand Valley State, go ahead and sign up now so you're ready to go when we hit it in January, because it's coming quick January 9th, the first date on the schedule. We've got basketball that weekend and it's the battle of the valleys right out of the gate. That'll be fun as this month progresses. We'll definitely talk about the basketball schedule and go in depth on the previews of those teams. We'll probably look to get the basketball coaches on this show as well, but you know, just a quick snapshot, Tim, you know, just hearing that date, knowing that that countdown is official. It's real. January 9th is coming. That's so exciting for us.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and, that's what, that's what we long for. I mean, that's that's why you get into this business. You get into the business for the events and the people. And we have we really haven't had either one in the last uh, eight months. Uh, no events and, and very little interaction with people. So, um, you know, with that opening weekend, basketball with Saginaw Valley, then track and field, uh, getting started on the 15th um, tentatively, along uh, and, you know, back into women's basketball against Ashland. That'll be a great, you know, weekend in terms of the uh, – Rankings have been kind of trickling out, and Ashland's the top five team. Grand Valley's going to be ranked high um, with a young team. So it's going to be fun. You know, we're really looking forward to it. And then, you know, down the road, you're going to get soccer and volleyball. And then then the the real spring sports start. So uh, these are kind of fall sports that have been moved to the winter slash spring. Um, So, yeah, we're going to be busy with the winter sports, fall sport combination, and then kicking over into the spring sport slash – you know, still get some fall sports in there.
2: But as we talked to Coach Hostler about, you know, it's, it's going to be different, but it's so great for these kids to get to play external competition. And I thought it was really interesting. Remember, we talked to Matt Mitchell last week and Jeff kind of said the same thing, Tim, the importance of not worrying about the depth chart. You're just worried about right. yourself, worrying about getting better. That's actually been in these coaches' eyes. And obviously Jeff and Mitch didn't talk about that before they talked to us. That's something that these coaches are realizing is really helpful for these kids' development, especially the young kids.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and, and there's some hard decisions to be made. I mean, in terms of – because you have some kids that aren't moving on next year. Right. Uh, you know, like in, in football and soccer, those seniors get to come back and play next year. So you need to get those young kids experience, but you also got to figure out what the pecking order is going to be. I mean, there's there's seniors coming back, but there's freshmen that might be just as good. Where are you going to align them in, in, the, in the playing time and in, in the, in the scheme of things? So they were able to kind of work through that transition this fall Without the pressure of playing a game, you know, without the, you know, you're able to evaluate them in that Friday night soccer game. You know, just playing and not, not worrying about beating um, Ashland Fair State. You're able to let them play without the uh, expectation of a result.
2: Right, and you kind of talked about you can also set up some situations. So. Right. what in what world, before this COVID world, obviously, did you get to set up a situation where you had an All-American on an All-American intentionally right. so they could get that practice in those real game reps? You can't just do that. So to be able to create that situation in the fall, in real game speed, is going to benefit these kids in the long run too.
1: Well, yeah, and, and, and I didn't ask him that. He had to pinch himself when he was standing in the middle of the field watching his team play each other and thinking, holy smokes, these, are, these kids are all on the same team. I mean, when you have All-American going against All-American and, you know, true freshman going against senior and the true freshman is battling, you know, and doing a great job and getting that experience. Um, I, 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 I kind of imagine Jeff uh, standing in the middle of the field officiating that game thinking, wow, I got some really good kids out here.
2: Yeah, he mentioned the battles a little bit, talking about having Katie Barron and Sidney O'Donnell, the winger and the outside back, and then Ava Cook, who's a first-team All-American center forward, going against a three-time first-team All-American center back and Seth Steinwasher. Like, what a matchup that yeah. is to watch. You don't, you don't get that because Grand Valley has both of those players. So to see it was awesome. You, know, you went to a couple of them. I went to a couple of those matches as well. So fun to see that and be involved with that, and it's really exciting for them. So looking forward to that conversation. You guys will check that out. It's a lot of fun, but uh, as we get ready for that, we do remind you that GBSU Anchor Up Podcast is brought to you in part by NovaCare. Discover the power of physical therapy with the official physical therapy provider of GVSU Athletics. We're also brought to you in part by PNC Bank, the official bank of GBSU Athletics, PNC Bank for the Achiever in You, and by Earhart Construction, the official construction company of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Well, it's right around the corner, Tim. You know, we come into this holiday season, usually the month of December is that month where maybe we are going to get a week off. You're looking forward to that little bit of a break, but now it's kind of the opposite. Now you're in that ramp up mode. So this is very different for us. Everyone's been in a kind of a new situation. Let's talk a little bit about what's in store for the athletic department as a whole here for this month. You know, obviously you have the holiday week, you have Christmas, new year's, all that coming up, but we have to ramp up towards sporting events. We're not in the regular doldrums of what a season usually looks like. So this is going to be different for us as well.
1: Well, yeah. And then, and you know, it's, it's been kind of complicated because of the stay at home portion here in the early December um, but you know we're, we're getting ready for that for that mix in terms of getting all the graphics and all the designs work out for all the in-game pre-game post-game graphics. Uh, again, we're diving uh, uh, headfirst into the video game, um, which we, we've alluded to. Uh, that's going to be new, you know. And then there's less people here to operate, and, right. and we're gonna you know we're literally gonna have to have pods of who is working what sport and get and getting those set because. We don't want to cross-contaminate. If somebody does contact trace, we can't have them take out the entire office. So we're really going to be, you know, um, uh, careful in, in how we operate and who we're around and, and create our own little bubble here in, in athletic communications because uh, we can't have uh, one person take down the entire office because uh, the sports aren't going to stop for us.
2: That's right. Yeah, there's a lot to be mindful of, and you know, get back and get quarantined, and you know, make sure we think about that and put the kids first because that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, is getting these student athletes the ability to compete and getting those events that we love and getting that uh, that competition that we crave. And we're so excited to get it back, but that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I'm driving back from New Jersey here this weekend and then going into lockdown with my puppy at home outside of uh, time in the office. So it's very, uh, very, very mindful of what that will be. So that's a really good point by you. No,
1: it's, it'll be, you know, it, it's going to be fun though. It'd be fun getting back into it. I mean, this is something we've missed and, you know, we've talked about it. You just don't have that same juice on on that. Get, just prepping for the weekend. I mean, you know, getting everything ready and 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 having having everything uh, in in motion. And that's what we've kind of missed. We've kind of been, you know, just kind of trying to come up with things and doing different videos. And that that stuff's fun. But you know, the events are are, are the fun part of this uh, job.
2: They sure are. And part of the fun part was winning that national championship for our women's soccer team last year. Head coach Jeff Hosler, the head man in charge of that national championship. It was the sixth in program history. That's a Division Two record is our guest. All of our interviews are brought to you by Alliance Beverage. Coors Light reminding you to drink responsibly distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. All right, here he is, the head coach of the GVSU women's soccer team, Jeff Hosler. And with that, we are excited to welcome on a friend of the show, head soccer coach Jeff Hostler, joining us here on the first week of December of 2020. Coach, how you doing?
0: I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Jake.
2: Appreciate you coming on with us here this week. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your current team. You guys wrapped up your fall practice schedule a couple of weeks ago. So uh, first and foremost, tell us a bit about what your fall was like. Obviously not playing games, but still uh, getting your team together and getting some training sessions in.
0: Yeah, I think with a, you know, a week now to kind of reflect back on you know what we're able to do this fall, um, I think we were able to accomplish quite a bit uh, as we go back and have individual meetings with players and talk about their individual development throughout the course of the season. Uh, and as a staff, looking back at some of the team concepts and things we tried to implement, uh, I think we got quite a bit done. I mean, just like anybody else, we'd love to have some outside competition, uh, you know, but a pandemic's not really coordinating or uh, cooperating with us uh, to be able to do that right now. So, um, you know, I think one of the really telling things, Jake was for our, our semester, you know, particularly with our young players and and in particular our freshmen, I suppose, uh, you know, hearing them talk about our culture and their experience the first semester, uh, the way that the upperclassmen looked out for them, uh, were available, uh, and really felt like they were part of the group. Uh, it's pretty remarkable when you consider all the restrictions that were in place, um, I mean, we never had a single team meal. Uh, we never traveled. Uh, we never did, we didn't do our typical preseason, uh, you know, up in Petoskey or go to the cottage. Uh, we didn't have any of those naturally built in team body moments that you'd have in the course of the fall. So it was very like business, like, you know, show up, do your work, uh, and, and get back to your academics for the day. Uh, and despite all that, you know, the ability that, that the young players had to connect with older players and the work that they put in to make those connections um, I think is going to be the most rewarding aspect of the fall.
1: Coach, was it a little easier for the freshmen maybe to adjust because they didn't have to worry about the game planning and the the, the grind, really? They were able to kind of ease into it more?
0: Oh, I think so, 100%. Um, you know, I think that was the way we projected it out to be when the semester started because uh, it takes away the the, the anxiety of the – you know, their performance, the competition to play, what's my playing time, what's my role, you know, none of that had to be clearly defined this fall, Uh, so they are able to kind of work into that, much like when we have transfers join us in January, you know, they can work through that winter semester, despite having a few spring games, there's still exhibitions in the end, so, um, you know, they kind of get ramped up, again, get, uh, um, you know, work into the culture, work into our playing style, our expectations, and, and the biggest thing is just having them understand, like, like the, hardest, the hardest adjustment for freshmen is the fitness level, the speed of the game, um, and trying to adapt to that. And so we can just truly focus on their growth. I mean, as cliche as every coach speak is about culture and growth, like, those are some of the details that, that are going to come out and going to matter. So um, I think our freshmen did a really great job. They did not have an easy go um, with uh, several quarantines along the way. Uh, But they did uh, an exceptional job adapting and being ready when they got out and uh, hit the ground running.
2: Coach, on the other side, how helpful is it to have the large senior class like you do that could really kind of be the leadership? They know what the daily grind entails.
0: You know, they certainly do. Uh, in, In some of those small group conversations, particularly with our senior class, um, you know, it, their path is very different than than most kids have experienced because uh, we brought them in as a freshman knowing they had to play and compete and help us win right away, uh, which would have been our 2017 year. Uh, so a lot of them were thrust into starting roles as freshmen. Uh, they had to learn uh, their way on the fly, so the opposite of what we just discussed with our current freshmen. And, uh, you know, as sophomores in that 2018 year, um, they kind of had, a lot of them were our go-to players. Uh, that was a, a year with an incredible leader and in Tara Learman as a senior, but a small senior group, um, you know, and then last year with Rico being our lone senior. So these kids that are seniors now, you know, they've really been the core leadership group in our program uh, through 2018 as sophomores, 2019 as juniors, and now as seniors. So, um, you know, I give our staff a lot of credit for the way that, that, that our assistant coaches continue to work uh, with these kids to, to understand leadership roles um, and how they can be most impactful. And now he has to make the senior group really special. They're all very different and they're all humble and they're willing to help. Uh, but they're also willing to share responsibilities, uh, and play to their strengths. You know, as somebody
2: who's been around this program coach for the last few years and being around that class, you just talked about uh, this fall, obviously was really hard for everybody impacted. But It feels like this senior class was one that was so special to you and so special to this program. So to have them kind of uh, not, I don't even want to say gutted, but to have them have to lose their season like that certainly hurt. What were the conversations like with that senior class when this first happened?
0: You know, it was, uh, incredibly emotional for this group. Um, you know, this class is, is, is really close to my heart. This is my first full recruiting class where we went through the whole cycle of evaluating eighth, ninth grade committing in their sophomore year. Um, and, uh, so for those reasons alone, you know, it's incredibly uh, important group uh, to me personally. Um, you know, they've um, they've done an incredible job uh, throughout the whole process. And as we talk now about getting ready for a potential of, of March matches, you know, we look back on how the timeline kind of hit. I mean, this is a group that we we're going to go to Hawaii this fall. Right. You know, we were set to go to Hawaii for, for a week. Uh, we were going to play a division one opponent in an actual match. Uh, we had an incredible non-conference slate built in around that with three other uh, top 15 nationally ranked opponents. Um, you know, we had an incredible schedule laid out, and it was like one hit after another. It seemed like it kind of came in three-week waves. You know, first it was, uh, COVID; we got to send you home there the first week in March, and we figured it'd get better. It never did through the semester, and that kind of message came in, in April. Uh, then in, in May, June, it came that, that the Hawaii trip was going to be off, Uh, later in in July came, came about the division one or division two championships weren't going to be played, uh, you know, and then ultimately that the fall season wasn't going to have, uh, external competition. So they went through a lot of blows, you know, along the way, um, for what was set up to be a really special year. And and that's obviously with a roster that, that only graduated the one player in Rico, uh, from our national championship team a fall ago.
2: Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's take a look at this team now. We've talked about this senior class a lot, and everybody that follows this team knows this team. So let's talk about some of the younger players maybe that made some strides during this fall camp like you were talking about. Who sticks out to you among some of those younger players that really made some steps forward during this fall camp?
0: Well, you know, for as we just get done talking about the senior class and what they've been able to accomplish. Um, you know, we've got some kids that are also do some different things uh, positionally in that group. Uh, but really, the, the class under them, uh, has really started to to grow and blossom in in different ways, and you know, Darlene Rattanmaker really taken on a more assertive role uh, as a playmaker and attacking mid uh, now due to Rico's graduation. Um, you know, Greta continues to to develop. Uh, you know, she's had she had a rocky start as a freshman with a bunch of different injuries in and out. Uh, last year became much more consistent. It was an incredible lift for us off the bench. Uh, you know, to have a game changing player like that coming off the bench and and owning. And, and thriving in that role is really special. Uh, and then, you know, you keep going down the line, you know, everyone knows about Chantel who burst on the scene last year as a red shirt freshman, uh, you know, scoring 20 some odd goals on uh, her first campaign. Uh, but they, we're really excited about this young group. You know, there's, there's uh, in that sophomore group, uh, you know, Kennedy Bearden, uh, I think is going to be a big time goal scorer uh, when, when all said it, when all of a sudden done uh, very committed, very focused. Uh, and she was a, you know, a multi-sport athlete coming out of Detroit Country Day where now she can focus on soccer and that's her, you know, her one thing to work towards in, in regards to athletics. Uh, and I'm really excited about this freshman group. You know, um, I, of all the questions you've asked guys, like that's the one I can talk to you guys about the longest because I can go right down the line with each player. Uh, but the freshman group, I think, has been done a really good job learning how to work, uh, understanding what that expectation is, understanding how to compete. Now we turn that next page, which is, you know, look, every coach and coach is going to talk about competing, but, you know, we always want to take that a step further. Competing is not what we're looking for. We're looking, looking to win. Um, And in a training environment, they got to learn how to to dig themselves out of some of those holes and or create better separation when they have leads uh, through the things we're doing in training.
1: Were you able to watch, you had some Friday night uh, inter-squad scrimmages that were, um very very competitive to say the least, and I thought what was interesting is you were the you were the official and you kind of dictated um <laughs> the situations which was fun to watch um was a the freshmen really had to you know it had to be fun to watch them interact with the veterans in terms of finding that those game situations on those Friday nights
0: yeah, it was really enjoyable, and I think uh you can probably agree with this Tim that. You know, I have a lot more respect for the officials and their fitness levels because uh, I wasn't exactly uh, treading up, the, you know, the grass behind me on those Friday nights. So you were kind of
1: um, in the middle. That's all right. That's all
0: right. Well, you know, I just figured I, I, I took the approach of I don't want to get in anybody's way. <laughs> that,
1: was, that was a great you know, they, got,
0: they got an opponent they're trying to play against, so I just want to kind of stay out of the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that line. Um, yeah. But it was, it was good. Um, you know, and like as we had these individual meetings with all of our players to wrap up the semester, it's one of the things we talked about is like, we tried a lot of different stuff. Uh, we had a lot of different players, maybe in positions they haven't played traditionally. Some of that's just due to numbers. Some of it's, you know, when you've got a roster of 30 kids to, to find enough that are healthy to play 11 aside, they got to be creative and, and place some different positions. But I think everyone learned a lot through the game that way. Um, and I think we found some, some kids that, you know, maybe were further along uh, the path to being ready for competition, uh, to be in a lineup and perform on, on match day, um, which is really exciting. Uh, you know, Taylor Reed was incredible. Uh, one of our freshmen you know, this fall, so is Kenzie Jones. Um, and a lot of other ones grew as they continue to go. Um, you know, Kate Brown, a sophomore I didn't talk about, uh, has grown, uh, leaps and bounds, uh, from when she left us, uh, for the semester back in March. So, um, it's really exciting and obviously we can manipulate matchups, you know, we can put, uh, you know, Katie Barron against Sydney O'Donnell and they have to go one V one, you know, arguably one of the best wingers in the country and one of the best outside backs in the country, uh, to play against each other on a match day, uh, which is something you can't necessarily do, uh, you know, in a typical season. So I think our kids really relish those opportunities, those challenges, uh, by playing some multiple positions, I think they'll all be better for it with a better understanding of the game and Maybe even a little more empathy. You know, our backs, uh, we played in the midfield a little bit. They started to realize, wow, these kids really do cover a lot of ground. Maybe I shouldn't be as hard as a, on them about certain things in, in certain moments. This is tough. Uh, but all in all, I think it was really good because everyone has a better understanding of, you know, uh, complete uh, player roles as opposed to just their own positionally.
2: Coach, not only that, but when you look at the different view you get from the different lines, when a forward is playing at a back position or vice versa, how does that change your perceptive perception of the game itself?
0: A lot. You know, a lot, because uh, if you're talking about defensive principles, it all starts with the goalkeeper and their vision uh, and what they see in front of them, into the center backs and, and up the spine. So when they're in those different positions, you know, like Seth is a good example, a kid that's Um, you know, had some moments in our first three years playing in the midfield is going to continue to do that here uh, moving forward. You know, when the game's in front of you, like it's a lot different than when the game's all around you, you know, coming from all sides. Um, As we talk about some fun matchups, you know, how great of a matchup is it on a Friday night to have Ava going against Seth uh, and vice versa. Uh, So, um, yeah, I think it, it it just gave us the opportunity and kept it fresh, you know? So, First and foremost, the Friday night games I think were a hit. You know, for us to be able to get in the game uniforms, treat it like a match day. Uh, you know, go through the whole process: lights are on, video boards on, everything else uh, to create that environment. But then also have them playing some different spots, and um, I, I think it just gave them all a lot better not only understanding positionally, but a lot more respect for each other in the different type of work that goes into those positions. Uh, you know, throughout the course of the of the ninety minutes.
2: Tactically coach, your offense took a huge step forward last year. The 117 goals was a program record. You've always been a defense juggernaut, you know, you, you single digit goals allowed you basically year after year. What was the big key to jumping up the goal totals like you did last year? Was it tactically? Was it talent wise? What was the, what was the big key to the offensive surge that came a year ago?
0: Well, again, I think our, our group grew. Um, they had more experience. Uh, you know, 2018, 20 2018, we were an incredibly young team. Uh, you know, we had seven players in the starting lineup that year, the the, the most standard starting lineup. Uh, you know, seven kids were freshmen or sophomores then, so they gained more experience into, into this past fall. And I think they really really bought into the mantra that we got to get the best opportunity to score, not the first. Uh, so we're a lot of teams are looking to get that first shot or the first time to get the final third or first time around the box. We were really trying to get our players to get more, whether that was on the dribble or through combination play. Maybe can we get one more pass and get closer to goal to improve our quality scoring chances, not just our scoring chances. Uh, you know, one of the, the stats in soccer that can be very misleading is shots. Uh, you know, I mean, you can take a shot technically from anywhere inside midfield. Uh, and based on some of our opponents, I think they get credit for those. Uh, (laughs) but I don't know, like, like, I don't know what that serves because the object of the game is to put the ball in the back of the net more than your opponent. So, uh, we, we, we preach that every week was, can we get more, uh, can we get a little more, uh, before looking to have that final opportunity? And, uh, and we did some more things tactically too. We got our center backs into the attack more. We let our outside backs stay a little higher. Uh, we really asked our attacking mid to penetrate more. You know, Rico went from just being a playmaker to being uh, a player, a playmaker and a goal scorer, uh, so she bought into that, and that's something that we're hoping to get out of Dar, you know, moving forward for her last two years.
2: Yeah, having a player like Rico was so special. I mean, you see what she was able to do in her two years here. She, she was one assist away from breaking the single-season record. Each year she was <laughs> here to kind of do that, and what a playmaker she was. What did she do, not just on the field of play, but what did she do to help kind of elevate everyone around her?
0: Her passion for the game, like, she's not an emotional person in that sense. Like, she's not a, like, rah-rah passion person, but she just loves soccer so much. Uh, You know, outside of schoolwork, I mean, that's really what she was doing was watching professional matches, men uh, and women. Uh, You know, her favorite player is Iniesta, who's a very technical, uh, incredibly high soccer IQ player, but not a flashy you know like sexy player that most people wouldn't look to uh initially so I think just her passion for the game her awareness um she was always looking to get better her teammates saw that in her um you know i mean she came like look she came here and she played like no defense like she didn't defend at all uh, she just wanted to be on the ball and create and i mean that took a uh you know a full semester to get her understand that she got to be more of a two way player and last year arguably at times she was our best midfielder uh, defender in the midfield, uh, with the way that she would press and dispossess players and get us sprung into the counter. So, uh, I think when once she, she realized the value in like defending and and what opens up in transition, because now she can play make and and get assists. Uh, <laughs> I think that really opened her eyes. Uh, and and I'll tell you what, like just a special humble kid. You know, like one of those last kid around the locker room because she picks up after everybody, uh, make sure the bus is clean uh, always please. And thank you with every little thing. Um, all that stuff certainly rubbed off when, when you're, you know, she's a national player of the year. So when your best player is doing that stuff, uh, it's really easy for everyone else to say that they need to have a hand in it too.
2: I want to just tell you my quick, my favorite memory of, of Rico cigar. It came her first year here. We were traveling, we were on the road, we were at a restaurant and they had those little iPads on the table that had the table game. <laughs> And there, everyone yeah. was sitting around, and she kind of sheepishly walked over to Kristen Walker and very quietly said, um, I think I accidentally played a game you have to pay for. <laughs> but she was so so sweet about it, so humble. So, and she had to learn a whole new language, too. That was another thing for her as well that people don't realize. Not only was she fantastic on the field, but coming straight overseas, she had to come learn English, basically, while she was also trying to be a high-level soccer player. So she was really an awesome story and really fun to be around the last couple of years. Program will certainly miss her.
0: She was. And, and that, that speaks to the person that she was. I mean, she tried to pay, you know, $1.99, uh, <laughs> you know, I think five or six times throughout the night. So, um, yeah, she's a special kid. And, you know, like, I mean, the recruiting process, Jake, when she committed to us, literally the only word she knew in English was hello. That was it. Wow. And so like all of our conversations were with her host family, um, who spoke very little Japanese to be fair uh, you know, initially. So um maybe that's why we got her. Maybe she didn't know what I was telling her.
2: <laughs> I, I think a lot of people are probably taking it back too because Martin Methodist, their head coach, is uh from England. So when she had an English accent when she spoke English, I don't think many <laughs> people saw that one coming either.
0: No, and still has it to this day, you know, despite <laughs> having uh been here with us for two years. So um no, but it's uh it always it may you know, Rico's just a kid it made everyone laugh. Um We were really fortunate to be able to have a player like Rico, a person like Rico in our program the last two years.
2: Coach, I want to pivot real quick because you you have two daughters that play soccer. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk in the national media about the U.S. women's soccer team. You have some other coaches in the GVSU program that have daughters that play soccer that look up to your team. What does it mean to you, not only as a coach of a women's sport, but a parent of two daughters to see the growth of women's sports in America, the growth of women's soccer, and what's going on on that stage?
0: Well, I I mean, it's fantastic. Like I'm, I'm so blessed, uh, to have such incredible, I mean, incredible kids in our program. Um, you know, I, I, some of that's clearly intentional in the way that we recruit and and don't just recruit talent, but recruit kids and their families. Uh, but like our, like my daughter's and Jake, you know, like they, they, they have posters and pictures of Grand Valley players with them. They have posters all over their wall. Uh, they make drawings that you'll see in my office. Um, you know, they're now playing travel soccer themselves. Uh, you know, like the the impact they get to have. And we did our Friday night lights and, and had it on, on video. You know, that's the night that week they got to stay up late to watch. Um, so it's really incredible to see those relationships form. Uh, You know, I think every, every dad coach, uh, you know, like the movie, remember the Titans, you know, a little girl in there that's just like, she's so tough and uh, watches film with her dad and goes recruiting all that stuff. Like as a dad coach, you crave those moments. And and I've been fortunate enough to have some of those, you know, my middle child, Kennedy, uh, we went and watched Kennedy Bearden play. Uh, because they share the same name, and and that's obviously her favorite player, uh, you know, and, they, and get a picture after the game uh, with her. Like that'll be with us forever. Like that kind of stuff's just super cool. So, uh, but specifically to your question about how it's how you know female athletics uh, is portrayed uh, and, and the growth and popularity, um, you know, that's just it's it's really important for for everybody. Right? It's not just female. I think it's really important for everybody. But I continue to see that growth. And, uh, again, we're, we're lucky because we're, we're in a country where our, our women's national team is, is the best in the world. So they get to watch those players. And they, get, they play a lot of games where you have access to watch them on TV or in person. Uh, so, um, overall, just very, very blessed. Really happy with the direction. You know, there's still change that needs to continue to improve. But uh, happy that it's, uh, people are starting to pay attention to it and, and move things in the right direction.
2: Coach, you, uh, you were a two-sport athlete yourself. You played basketball, you played soccer growing up, and then you got into coaching. But you started out on the men's side. You started all kind of just getting into the coaching world. How did you transition into being a coach of young women and being the coach you are today of women's soccer?
0: Well, it's probably all because I decided not to play Division One basketball. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a totally different approach. Um, I, and I joke with kids, as, as we go through recruiting processes now, like if I'd you know, gone to school in Brooklyn um, I, or, or St. Louis, I don't think I'd be a women's soccer coach right now. Uh, but it got a, a winding path for me. Uh, you know, honestly, like when I got the Alma college job in 2006, uh, I was there to, to interview for the men's job. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it all kind of turned on one night where as I, I check in for the evening, uh, the candidate that had their full day interview that day was still there, uh, before their flight. And he was the assistant when I was at Alma myself, uh, my last two years. And we got to talking and we're like, Oh, obviously you're here for the same job. I am. Okay. This is a little awkward. What do we do now? Uh, but we would also we went out to dinner, uh, just started talking and the women's position was open at that time. It had been open once, uh, they went through the recruiting or the hiring process, uh, did not, uh, solidify a candidate and reopened it we obviously talked, like, well, like, what if, like, we coach, you coach the men, I coach the women. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm good with that. Like, let's see if that would work. Had a conversation, uh, you know, with the athletics department. Next day in my interview, proposed it. uh, And that's how it started. So um, thinking I'm looking to to coach men's soccer, Uh, I ended up coaching women's soccer. Uh, Still coaching a lot of uh, both boys and girls club uh, and even some AAU basketball. Uh so uh yeah, Jake, prior, I mean, prior to two thousand five year I coached uh seventeen different I was the head coach of seventeen different teams between high school, AAU, and club soccer. Um so I think it's fair to say I had my hand in a little bit of everything. And um as I continued my career at Alma, I got more streamlined and, and obviously now uh I, it's really nice to focus on one team. Uh <laughs> I, I guess I'd be remiss that. You know, I am coaching my daughters. 2011 michigan fire team so it's pretty pretty serious stuff there but um you know it's nice to to be able to focus on one thing and and one group
2: coach this has been awesome we want to do a couple of segments with you if you don't mind we every week we do a a great team and a senior spotlight and since we have you with us we figured we'd use you as the uh senior the uh both of those this week so let's start with our uh, team of the week it's brought to you just
0: try to call me a senior no, we're using yeah, I think you did. About the senior.
2: Yeah. I'm pretty yeah.
0: sure you did. I, yeah. I know we celebrated my 40th birthday this summer, but that's a bit harsh.
2: I've called you worse, so we're just going to go ahead and uh, – All right, fair enough. We'll be okay with it. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, the team of the week is brought to us by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now more than ever. Confidence comes with every card. And this week we're going to go with that 2014 women's soccer team coach. It was your first national championship. You come in as your first year. As the coach of Grand Valley, win that thing, 3 nothing over Rollins to win the championship after that thrilling penalty kicks, semifinal match. You took down four straight teams, ranked in the national top 10, close out the season with a 22-2-2 record. An incredible way to start your career. If you could go back, tell us about that season, what it means to you.
0: Well, probably one of the hardest years of my life, if I'm being honest with you. Um, it obviously you know, all ended well in the end uh, for us. But man, the, 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 program that Dave DeAnne and his staff had built over the years, uh, to come in, they were t- 2013 national champions to come in in 2014, um, you know, step right in and, and obviously have an expectation with, with so many key returning players to go do it again. Um, uh, you know, with a group that, uh, you know, Jake, I was hired, uh, I believe July 1st was my, the day I signed my contract. I didn't start until the 15th of July with camp less than a month out. So this was an incredibly quick turnaround to uh, try and get ready for the fall. There really wasn't much time to try and implement my own stuff uh, and, to, and to get to know players. Um, you know, Of course, I'll forever be the one responsible for uh, ending our 69-game home winning streak uh, with a loss to Ohio Dominican on a, on a very cold, wet night uh, that felt even colder and more damp than uh, it probably was uh, once the the final result happened, but, you know, it was really kind of that loss that turned everything around. Uh, we we had a long heart to heart as a team. We worked through a lot of things on an individual and group level moving forward to make a decision like this is the position we are in now. We got to win out just to have a chance at, at sharing the league title. Uh, we knew we uh, would have to win the conference tournament, uh, to likely get a uh, opportunity to host in the national tournament. Uh, and then, you know, to go on the run and we did to go to Parkside, uh, score the, uh, double overtime winner by Kaylee Schlosser, our center back, uh, we put up top for a free kick, uh, you know, on the road against undefeated. I think they were number three or number four in the country at the time. Uh, it was, it was truly special, you know, going to the final four, uh, you know, Louisville being a festival year, uh, to get over the top of St. Rose, uh, and penalty kicks the way we did it with Andrea Strauss and, you know the the legend that will live on with with three three straight penalty kick saves uh, to lift us to the national final and and I knew we were in good good position in the final when we were warming up in shorts and t shirts and they had parkas and snow pants and hats and uh, everything else. So that that game was won I think before we stepped off the bus or the moment we did uh, and and we came out and played that way. You know, Gabby got us, Gabby and Shava got together to get us a quick goal um, and really we never looked back in that match. So. Um, yeah, a lot of special things came out of that. You know, I think a senior class that, uh, I think initially wanted to give me a chance, had a hard time doing it probably through the early part of the season and really came back around to the end. And, um, you know, those kids uh, are still some of the most involved alumni we have. And Jenny Schaub on our board, uh, Charlie Sosha, Chuck, UNA Odendahl babysat our kids for, for a year. Uh, so really, really blessed, uh, you know, given this opportunity and to go out the way we did on uh, that first year.
2: You're first of three, first of, or one of six for the program, a Division II record and coach. Uh, for you to come in, coming off of what David built, coming off a national championship season, like you said, you got hired late. What was the pressure like on you when you first got here?
0: Uh, um, incredibly <laughs> difficult. Yeah, incredibly difficult. Uh, you know, I think everyone around me, Tim Salgo, the idiot time, did a great job and just told me to be, be myself you know, that he'd hired me to be who I am, how I, you know, the vision I had for, for the program uh, was really good about checking in, uh, you know, at least weekly, if not daily, to see how things were going. And I never felt micromanaged from that. It was just a matter of, you know, genuine uh, outreach and, and showing of support. Um, but, yeah, the pressure uh, internally, you know, the pressure for our program and what we do is never greater than, than what it is internally for me. Uh, because of the way that I'm wired and how I'm always looking to be better and and, and grow, and have our program do the same thing, uh, but I think certainly externally, uh, I think everyone thought with the roster we had, I should be able to just step in and do it. Uh, but you know, I've I've coached a lot of different teams, a lot of different moments, a lot of different uh, situations, whether it's a rebuild or taking over a program. And, um, I'll tell you, like being in a program like this that David done with the expectation. I don't know if there's anything more difficult to do than to get those kids to buy into you and your vision and any changes you make. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't think I'm an idiot. And <laughs> why, why try to reinvent the wheel uh, in those first couple of years? Uh, Cause you don't want to create a wedge between you and your players. So, um, so I was, you know, I watched a lot of game film uh, on the previous year. I talked to Dave a lot uh, and just trying to find things that I could tweak that Certainly fell in line with me, but fortunately enough, you know, Dave and I uh, had a lot of common beliefs and style of play and outlook and approach and certainly in competitiveness and the way we challenge our kids uh, that, that were very similar.
1: You know, I, I, on that team, I remember when you, when you came in, there were a lot of egos in that team. I mean, there were a lot of high profile players that were returning and, you know, how difficult was it to mesh them together with your philosophy?
0: Yeah, we returned uh, three uh, All Americans that year: Una, Shaba, and Marty as a freshman. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it was um, it it wasn't easy. Uh, Tim, we, you know, like I I, I kind of alluded to already. I think the tipping point for us was when we lost Ohio Dominican, and um, you know, it's interesting. Like, I had a couple of my seniors that I met with that that next morning. And they you know, the thing that they said is like, look, coach, I need you to yell. You need to yell at us more. Like you got to get in our face a little bit more. It's kind of taken back, by like, what kid <laughs> asked for that? <laughs> you know, like right. well, what? And like, no, that's just like, that's the way it's gotta be. Like you, that's what gets me fired up. Like you have to get on us more. You have to, like, you can't let any of the little things slip. Um, and, I, uh, I always prided myself on being a detail oriented coach. Uh, I don't think that I was missing some, but I think I maybe let some slide a little bit too longer out of concern for how it would be received. Right. Uh, being with a new group on such short notice. Cause you didn't, you, know, you didn't have the time to like to build that trust in that personal relationship first, but then have it transition to the, the professional relationship. Right. It was just all professional relationship right from the start. That's all we had time for. Uh, but I think that was one of those really good conversations with them. Uh, in the same way, the conversations I had with many of the sophomores at the time, Gabby Geboard, Marty Corby, uh, Claire Carlson, Kendra Stoffer, uh, to name a few, uh, about where we were, where we wanted to go. And I, I think the key, really, Tim, was getting that group on board, the sophomore group, uh, because that's obviously what then propelled us into uh, another national championship in 2015 uh, and then making it back to the championship game in 2016. Uh, with that group was I think uh, a lot of it had to do with those really, those, those sophomores getting to know them on a personal level and empowering them a little bit too, where it wasn't just about the seniors and their outlook, but about the whole group.
2: What would your current team say if they heard that a group of people told you you had to be more detail oriented and get them on them more?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they probably wondering where I clump at that time. <laughs>
2: Uh, That 2014 team was our team of the week Brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield and Coach This week's senior spotlight Which is brought to us by Ziegler Automotive Is Katie Barron She's from Novi, Michigan Transferred in from Xavier She ranked 6th in the nation last year with 15 assists also had five goals. She earned all GLIAC honors as well as United Soccer Coaches Scholar All-District Honor. She's a fast-paced winger. You talked about her a little bit earlier on in this program, so we don't have to go too detailed into it, but just Katie Barron, the growth she's had in the two years with your program, and as she's our senior spotlight, what has she
0: meant to this program these
2: last couple of years?
0: She's obviously been an incredible performer, uh, and I still think her best soccer's ahead of her. Um... Now, obviously a great playmaker on the wing, very, very skilled. It's one of the reasons, uh, she came to our program. know she transferred from Xavier, but back in the recruiting process, her, you know, her final choices were Michigan state, Xavier and us. Um, and after what was a very good freshman year, uh, with a new coach down at Xavier, they just had a, a style of play change, uh, and being a very ball dominant player, kind of a tricky player, needs a ball at her feet. Um, Knew this would be a a great spot for her. The way we try to spotlight and showcase our wingers uh, and, and their talent and ability on the ball. So, um, and also very very comfortable with us. You know, we got to know. I got to know Katie through the ODP program along the way, and obviously we were uh, a finalist in her recruiting process uh, when she decided decided as a sophomore in high school. So. Um, no, but beyond that, like I again, I think our best soccer is ahead of her. But I, I think her continued growth as a leader, now having been here for two years, she has a larger voice within our group. Uh, we talked earlier about how strong the personalities are, how strong the leadership is in that senior class. Uh, but all those transfers, you know, they've only been here two years as opposed to the full three. So uh, she's really taken on more of a voice. Uh, she's done a good job connecting with some other players. Uh, you know, and her passion and growth for the game has been awesome to watch. Uh, you know, she actually coaches with me with Michigan Fire uh, does some, some, you know, instruction with some other local kids and does a lot of stuff that, you know, gives back to the, to the community and I think gives her better fulfillment, uh, which then in turns giving her more passion for the game and wanting to give back more, uh, when it comes to training and performances. So, um, you want me to touch on a little bit? That's, uh, I'll give you, that's a very short version. I could talk to you about Katie for a long time. Cause I think she's a special person, uh, a special player. And, Obviously, really looking forward to see what the next next calendar year brings.
2: They nicknamed her Smalls, but that's not because of her personality. That's for sure. That's Katie Barron. She is our senior <laughs> spotlight brought to you by Ziegler Automotive. Coach, we're really looking forward to getting some outside competition in the spring. Thanks so much for joining us here this week. Well, I'm sure we'll talk to you as you play some external competition as well. But uh, best of luck. Have a, have a happy holiday season. and looking forward to uh, getting some real soccer being played next spring.
0: Thanks, Coach. You bet. Thanks for having me on.
2: That interview with head coach Jeff Hostler was brought to you by Alliance beverage Coors light reminds you to drink responsibly distributed locally by Alliance beverage. And Tim, we talked a little bit in the beginning of the show about, you know, that setup of the Friday night under the lights, but you know, Jeff mentioned it too, having that video board on having the lights on, even though they were just playing themselves, those competitions, that GVSU soccer field. So cool to see that lit up at least a few times in the fall.
1: Yeah. And and, and what a competitive group that is. I mean, when you drop the ball, I mean, they're ready to play. And uh, even, even though they're playing their teammates, uh, there was a result on the scoreboard, and they wanted to be on the better side of it. And it was fun. It was, it was uh, fun to watch, and, and, and it was educating as well because you were really able to see their competitive, you know, greatness because they're playing each other. They had to generate their own juice. They, there were no fans in the stands. It was a Friday night, uh, cold, rainy, wet – it seemed like it rained on, like, three of the occasions um, – and you know they had to generate all the you know enthusiasm and and play themselves, and uh, and it just is a testament to the culture that they have.
2: Yeah, they played through a hailstorm one night, but you know, remember he switched up the teams every week, and yeah. those kids knew. I we have a couple that come through our office pretty regularly, and they're, oh, I'm three and zero, or I'm I'm zero and two, whatever. Well, like yeah. they know they keep track of whether or not they're on the winning side or not, and that's yeah. definitely one of the reasons why they are a six-time. National champions, including a year ago. Well, during that interview, we went through our team of the week and our Laker spotlight because they were both soccer related, so it made sense to have Jeff on for those. But we still do have to get to our great moment in Laker history. It's brought to us by the Randy Catterberg Agency. We're going to go for a different type of football for our moment of the week, Tim.
1: Well, we're going to go back 2006 uh, uh, quarterfinal playoff game, regional final um, to get into the final four. December 2nd, which will be uh, this weekend coming up here. um, I've never seen a game where the result of the game hinged on the coin toss to start the game as much as this game. The wind was coming out of the uh, south. Uh, Grand Valley was getting ready to play North Dakota. The wind was coming out of the south at about 25 to 30 miles an hour. So Grand Valley won the toss, deferred. North Dakota elected to receive. Grand Valley picked a direction. Grand Valley was kicking with the wind, and North Dakota was going into the wind. And what ensued was a defensive performance like none other. Uh, North Dakota did not gain a yard in the first quarter, while Grand Valley State had the ball with the wind at their backs and scored 27 points in the first quarter to take that lead, 27 to nothing. Um, Terry Mitchell uh, caught a 20-yard touchdown pass from Cullen Finnerty in the first quarter, 12 8 and the onslaught ensued. It was a three and out. Anthony Adams was dominating it from his linebacker position. It was three and out, four straight possessions for North Dakota which resulted in punts into the wind, in which the punting average was 9.7 yards for those wow. four punts. I mean, if you weren't here uh, at that time, but it was crazy. You could not punt. They tried to punt low, punt I mean, it was it was Really, would have been probably more served going for it on fourth down because punting was not going to work. So Lakers built 27 nothing lead, ended up winning the game 30-20 to uh, and, and headed to the semifinal and route to a national championship. So that's our, our moment of the week, the 2006 quarterfinal game against North Dakota. The Lakers won or 30-20.
2: Moment of the week brought to us by the Randy Catterberg Agency. And, Tim, just so you know, in 2006, I was in high school. So, yeah, no, I wasn't here. You said that makes you feel better. Said, uh, you. I <laughs> appreciate that. No, but that uh, that North Dakota offense sounds a lot like the Eagles offense on Monday night, although they didn't have the wind quite as the same excuse. But, no, that's a uh, – I think I remember – was that the same year the Lions chose to do that in the overtime game when they won the coin uh-huh. toss, chose to go with the wind that. instead of choosing to receive, and they wound up losing?
1: That game was played at Illinois. And I don't know, I don't know if it was that year. That game was when Soldier Field was being renovated. The game went into overtime, and yeah. that was at uh, in Champaign, Illinois. That, right. that and game. the Lions
2: won the, they, or won the toss. They elected to take the wind rather yeah. than receive the ball in yes. a sudden death overtime, and they wound yeah. up losing. Yeah. yeah, it was a bad decision. I as <laughs> <Bad decision. laughs> well, an Eagles fan. I've seen enough bad decisions in one week. But too, hey, huh?
1: the Lions are headed back. Uh, you know, maybe they can just hire Jim Caldwell. I mean, you, you fired him, what, four or five four years ago? Just hire him back right now.
2: Jim Caldwell or Jim Harbaugh? Uh, let's stay away
1: from that one. <laughs> yeah. They got their own issues down in, uh, Ann Arbor. Uh, they got their own issues.
2: Yeah. How was, uh, how is Lions nation feeling about the, the firing of Patricia and Quinn?
1: Well, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. I mean, I never like seeing Somebody get fired. Uh, obviously that's not, you know, when you're, when you work in sports, you're not really into watching people get fired. I mean, right. you know, families are involved in that. Um, but again, the Lions really weren't making any progress and, um, I think that the old change was needed. Uh, now it's just kind of, you know, who's going to get the job? The San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert uh, Sala. Uh, he's from Dearborn, went to Northern Michigan, played in Northern Michigan. So he's got Michigan roots. Um, so could we have by-
2: two former Gleeck players as head coaches in the National Football League, both in the same yeah. division? Yes. Yeah. How Packers, about
1: that? Packers and Lions. There you fact, go. They uh, actually – um, they might have played against each other. They all might right. have played against each other.
2: We need that research done so that yeah. when this happens.
1: Where's Mitch? Where's Mitch when you need him? Oh, yeah, our producer Jeez. gets the week Gosh. off, but just because we're yeah.
2: doing this over Zoom. Yeah, I know. But we let him off the hook. It's all right. But, no, it's, uh, that'll be interesting. See, that, that's the next level details that yep. you have for us, and that's why we appreciate the insight of Tim Not That would be pretty awesome, though. If the, it would be if, neat, yeah. If the schools produced head coaches in the NFL. And then, of course, you got Brian Kelly over at Notre Dame as well. Yep. So big-time coaches coming from uh, from the glee. Well, you know,
1: everybody talks about Miami, Ohio being the cradle of coaches. I can create our own little football cradle of coaches here at Grand Valley um, with the list of, of coaches that are at the Power 5 level, the Group of 5 level, head coaches and assistants. It, it is over 60 coaches, former formerly at Grand Valley State, that are that have moved on,
2: that are in that uh, uh, mix. Just incredible to think about that as well. and. You know, we get ready for uh, getting back to some sports here at Grand Valley. I'm looking forward to getting back into the office and getting back to you know putting towards the normalcy of having a game day coming and having all that stuff ready to go. And we'll talk about it over these next couple of weeks. We will have podcasts each of the next two weeks. I think the plan, Tim, we can get it done, is to get Coach Williams and Coach Wesley on these next two weeks to preview their teams. But I did want you – know, we talked a little bit about basketball in the open of the show. But you know, think about this. When the Battle of the Valleys comes, you got two All-Americans going at it at the Fieldhouse Arena right out of the gate. You got Miles Ballou and Jake Van Tubergen, both on the NABC All-American list last year, facing off right away. So there's a ton of talent that's getting to go right as we get out of the gate. So that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be, it'll be fun. Uh, I know uh, our men's team and and women's teams um, have been uh, hard at work and then kind of changing up how they can practice because you can't have a full team going five on five together. Um, So they've been doing some innovative things down in the... uh, fieldhouse arena um, so it'll be it'll be fun to get to, to get those matchups going and like you said right out of the gate you're talking about all American all-American matchup
2: yeah how about that the men's first home games all-American matchup the women's first home games are a nationally ranked battle right we have been tied for 11th in the uh, original ranking that came out this week so they'll be in the top 11 meanwhile Ashland in the top 10 as well so that'll certainly be a big showdown when the women get started on the home floor so a lot to look forward to it's going to be a busy month of january busy month of february and a busy month of prep here in december but we won't leave you laker nation out of it we'll have you at the anchor up podcast each week as we get closer to sports rejoining us from the field house that's our show for this week big thanks to coach hostler for giving us some time and coming on a great conversation I'm looking forward to them kicking off in march as well we'll talk to everybody next week but until then have a great week and as always anchor up